following program may contain coarse language, suggestive dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. We're logging back onto the underworld one more time for this special episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have... Yeah, Samurai Darrell Maddox. And we are joined once again by our lovely guest. (laughs) Lovely guest. Alex Von David, how's it going? (laughs) He's more handsome. He's he's ruggedly handsome people, not lovely. I am lovely. (laughs) But but that ass, though. I will, tomorrow morning, I will wake up and I will be like, wow, I'm lovely today. And I'm going to go and I'm going to have a lovely day. Thank you, Sketch. Have a lovely day. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Alex, lovely. <laughs> so, there's quite a bit to talk about here. There's a lot of batshit crazy things that happened in this season of Sword Art Online. We covered a little bit of them earlier in the season during other podcasts. So, I'll kind of just get things back up to speed. And after we talk about all the crazy stuff that happens in this season, we will then talk to Alex about the process of recording this season of Sword Art Online and what delights and challenges came out of that. Mm, delightful. I mean, you can just hear this Alex voice right now, man. He just ready to let the fucking floodgates go. Oh, you know, I can I can bitch about remote recording all day long if you guys want me to. Oh, I've seen a couple of tweets. Well, you promised me there were stories, so I've come to collect. <laughs> right, so... Uh, At the point that we last talked about Sword Art Online on this podcast, it was right around the time where Hige and Yunai had gone down to the server so that Hige can try to connect the Flucklights. Higa! Higa? Higa. 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 The one (laughs) I didn't ask about. That was the one you didn't ask about, Higa. (laughs) Yeah. The one I didn't ask about. See, in the previous podcast, I messed up so many names, and Alex was like, it's a good thing I was here. <laughs> I also took better notes this time. <laughs> well, I just look at uh, Alex as vocal, um, as vocal autocorrect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll just blur it out. I'll just be like, yo, it's Kirito. It's Asuna. Asuna. <laughs> Kirito. <laughs> like Kitty Toe. Yeah, Kitty Toe, exactly. Kitty toe. I, especially when Jeremy says it, it sounds like she's saying kitty toe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kitty-toe. When we originally set up the name, that was the directive. Ah. To, um, yeah, it's, it's like kitty toe, but with R's instead of T's. Yeah, <laughs> kitty toe. And uh, to roll the R. So she always taps the R a very specific way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those are setting up the any the very first season where we were setting up all the names and pronunciations and stuff it was it was brutal on some of the actors 
be careful about sure some Sherby of those has... explosives. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget which actor I saw this up, but uh, they were saying it might have been Zeno Robinson. He said that uh, somebody told him that he's saying his plosives like hitting his plosives like they owe him money. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it be like that. I mean, that's a great, yeah, great visual. <laughs> plosives yeah. do not exist, and if you bring them into existence, you will be, you 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 will be harmed. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> Yanai and Higa are down at the server. They are attempting to get the flucklights of uh, Asuna, Lifa, and Sinon to connect with Kirito's so that they can try to restore his flucklight. <laughs> but this is the point where Yanai is like, I was the traitor! <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, this character, and this is, I think you were potentially, uh, teasing this the last time we, we talked about, I think this was actually before even, uh, War of Underworld started. You were teasing some things that would come back around from other arcs. Mm -hmm. So, this guy, he used to work for Sugo. Yep. That creep. And all of his mind manipulation experiments. So that's pretty bad. <laughs> he's, uh, but he's only just a little bit mad about Kirito messing with that guy. He's way more mad that Kirito killed Quinella because this guy is a simp for Quinella. Yep. And that is just. <laughs> You know, it, you know, uh, these kind of, you know, S&M relation type relationships, you know, uh, <laughs> dominant, submissive, uh, it's. Oh, yeah, it, he's but definitely it, a bottom. And it also, you know, it also reinforces um, kind of uh, the whole idea of the underworlders as being, um, you know, I mean, they're human. Um, they just live in their own sort of like you can consider it a dimension. Their world is like a, like an alternate dimension. Um, they have free, you know, free will up to a certain point. Um, of course, Quinella had the most free will and, uh, and yeah, I mean, humans can fall in love with, I guess, uh, uh, for, for lack of a better word, other, other humans from other dimensions. Sure. So this guy was actually responsible for code 871, which is a play on his name. Mm -hmm. And they find that out by looking at like his jacket that he left at the console. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. That was, I also remember in a previous conversation, you were like, no, you're not, you're not thinking of who actually came up with that. <laughs> you're wrong. It's somebody else and you'll find out. <laughs> like oh all right well that's that's who it is Yana. Yep. yeah so back in the underworld uh, gabriel returns as subalizer <laughs> and tries to eat sinon's fluck light but she's saved by her connection to kirito and is that literally the like the sensor that was on kirito that 
prevented him from being stabbed by the needle. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> but the but the weird thing is, is that shouldn't be there. No, so, it shouldn't. Yeah, so yeah, because she got logged in and stuff. So it's actually kind of this little miracle that ties into the whole sort of willpower idea uh, of of characters and uh, uh, of the people who live in the underworld. And then of course the people who log in with these super user accounts, like, you know, Sinan and Asuna and Kirito, or not just Sinan, Asuna and Leafa. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's one of those like sort of things that is, it's that, that pendant that she made is a part of her. And that's why it's in there with her. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like a, wow. <laughs> that's a hell of a concept. So but uh, outside yeah, that's the, of the underworld, she does have that with her? She does have that. She wears it all the time. Ah, yep. She never takes it off. That before. Yeah, I think it's probably, she just keeps it tucked in her shirt or something like that. But I mean, do we, we I mean, it, all, the, all the views outside of the underworld of the other characters have all been kind of fleeting. So... I mean, yeah. I don't recall noticing it myself, except maybe one episode, but I can't tell you which one. I can't remember it right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that thing is so special to her. It's a part of her. And that's why it was able to sort of materialize with her in the underworld. Yeah, that kind of thing happens, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. On another part of the battlefield, Lifa and Lipilin, Lil Killin, Lil Killin, Lil Pillin. Lil Pillin. Lil Pillin. <laughs> Lil Pillin. <laughs> His rapper name, Lil. <laughs> We're just gonna call him Lil P for short. It's the mm -hmm. uh, the orc. He they arrive to assist Sheta and Iskon and the remaining Pugilists as they uh, try to fight off the red players. And uh, at the other part of the battlefield, there are like three parts to this battlefield, the uh, real life players that came in are attempting to convince the Chinese and Korean players that they have been deceived, but that is to no avail. <clears throat> nope. So Asuna and the others surrender in order to protect the citizens of the underworld because at the end of the day they're just accounts but these are real living beings yep doesn't matter if the players die or get logged out i mean they'll lose their stats or whatever but these once they are dead they are gone yep and here's another lovely twist callback to prior arcs of sao in that Basago reveals that he is indeed a prior leader of Laughing Coffin, who went by Poe, which is short for Prince of Hell. Mm. Poe. Sometimes it sounds like they were saying Pooh. <laughs> yeah. I, I warned him about that. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I warned Anaplex about that. I said, listen, um, it's P-O-H. Um, if we say if we say it like they're saying it in the Japanese, it's poo. And, um, and, and Anaplex was like, well, that's how it's pronounced. And I'm like, well, actually, 
in English, we can pronounce it differently. We can pronounce it po because that's what it looks like. Looks like, you know, you pronounce it that way, po or whatever. So we came up with this sort of happy medium that sort of uh, uh, pa or pa, po, I forget what, it, oh yeah, it was like pa. So there was a lot of breath on the end. And that's what ended up, uh, that's what ended up being approved. Yeah, so this guy, he is a piece of work. He he worked from the shadows to betray his own guild in order to force Kirito and the other SAO players to become murderers. Wow. As you do. <laughs> and at this point, he is demanding to see Kirito, who is, of course, still comatose. But before that can proceed any further... Out of nowhere, or rather, out of the old SAO server, comes AG with Yuna to fend off Vasago. That's a pretty <laughs> high fight that is like, blink and you'll miss it. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> if you didn't see the movie, you wouldn't even know who the hell they are. <laughs> yeah, I, re I really wish Toonami had played that movie. One, because it's a good movie. It's one of my if not my favorite SAO story, period. But also because, I'm, I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice to know who these characters are. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm listening to commentary from other podcasts and other people who are watching this on Toonami, and they're like, they don't even remember the characters from the previous season, so they're like, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> who, whoever shows up, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I guess it I, sure. <laughs> I appreciate that everyone is here. Yes. <laughs> All the guilds from ALO, <laughs> like some of the mid bosses from the. General Eugene is yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, there you go. General Eugene, you and the the nice guild leader ladies. <laughs> and Sakia, the, yep. Yeah, and the guild that Asuna was with. You know, Yuki's Guild. Sleeping Nights, yep. Yeah. So it was, it was nice to see all those characters again. And Just like a big old family reunion. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which I'm sure you were looking at the cast and going, oh, oh dear. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, it was actually funny because, you know, we were recording in like two episode chunks and, you know, <clears throat> great, you know. I get to work with Max Middleman again. I, you know, rarely get to work with him, if ever. I mean, just a couple of times, actually. Kind of sucks, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, but that yeah, guy, Max. That, that guy's been busy. Yeah, he's, uh, he's really busy. Um, I wish, I wish, uh, I wish I could have worked with him more. Um, I mean, he's, he loves anime. So, I mean, never say never, but, you know, I think it's just, you know, timing and stuff with him, but like his session, uh, you know, 15 minutes, two lines, you know, he would do, he would do his two main, main lines. And then uh, he would go and do like a, a couple of the red knights getting killed or whatever. And that was it. And I was like, well, yeah, nice working with you for 15 minutes, Max. <laughs> same with, same with Lindbeck, you know, Erica Lindbeck. It's like, I love working with her. Um, did, never, never got a chance to work on work with her on something like a really great, like you know, lead meaty role. Um, 
And so, yeah, 15 minutes with her and, and she's just doing like efforts, you know, as her main character. And that was it. It was like, it's, it kind of sucked, you know? And then three weeks later, you know, two more lines for the next two episodes. It was, you know, what are you going to do? It was, it was, it was nice talking to them at least because we recorded all that stuff remotely, but mm. you know, so at least it was, you know, nice talking to her for a sec and catching up. I wish some of the characters from GGO appeared like Lan oh, and Pito. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been, been so cool. Nice. Yeah. No, they, they really have no association with these characters. Yeah. <laughs> no, but still that would have been fun. That would have been yeah. fun watching, watching Len run around shooting people. Oh, yes. It would have been cool. We could have did like some kind of six degrees of separation. Oh my it. God, such and such a nose person then lead them to it some kind of way. <laughs> uh, sure. I don't, I don't see why they couldn't. Well, they I mean, have. she was, I mean, I mean, Gabriel was the one who had won the B.O.B. Uh, so they, mm -hmm. they, they had come into contact with Gabriel mm -hmm. in GGO. So... Yeah. Probably came into contact with Visago too. Probably. Yeah. So getting back to Visago, he continues to manipulate the red players, even though uh, members of the army are like, hey, that, that guy's a bad guy, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we, sh we shouldn't be killing these, uh, these players. But to no avail, once again, and now we get to learn about Visago's life and why he hates Japanese people. Because he <laughs> is the illegitimate son of a Japanese man. And he is forced to give up one of his kidneys to the legitimate son. Mm -hmm. So he's got such a beef with Japanese people that he logged into SAO despite the risks just so he could kill Japanese players. Damn, man, that's a lot of xenophobia right there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, this guy, not even his mother wants anything to do with him. So, damn. Hey, there's certainly some backstory here. Doesn't make him a good guy in any way, but it, uh, it, it makes you believe him when he says, You'll never get rid of me. I will always come back. <laughs> yep. Cringy. So back to Sinon fighting uh, Gabriel. She gets overpowered and has like her legs blasted off. Jeez. <laughs> this is uh, this is graphic at points. And far more graphic than treatment. that. <laughs> Lipa fighting off of a horde of red players in a way that it's like they just made it so Lipa could take as much punishment as possible for story reasons. <laughs> And I, I don't really like that, but hey, at least she's a badass. <clears throat> and back in the real world, Yanai falls to his death after being spooked by a wrench thrown by Rinko. Good job, Rinko. <laughs> <laughs> and Higa pre proceeds to link Asuna, Sinon, and Lipa's floodlights to restore Kirito's. Good, things are progressing. But Kirito's still in his coma, being haunted by the painful memories, and, you know, the boy has PTSD. There's a, a lot in there that he's coping with. While Vasago threatens to kill people until Kirito wakes up. He's a man of his word. 
And uh, just when you thought everybody showed up, in a moment when Asuna is feeling discouraged, Yuki's spirit appears to encourage her. I mean, come on! Fan favorite. You either either love it or just go, oh, come on. (laughs) It's it's as it is in the book. Same thing happens in the book. And if you don't like when spirits show up to assist their comrades, boy, you're in for a rough ride. (laughs) So Asuna's able to almost defeat Basago, but then he siphons off the energy around him to restore himself. That is so cheap. (laughs) So cheap. He can do that because of his weapon, right? Is that... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his chopper. (laughs) Which is (laughs) a pretty cool weapon. And now Higa realizes that Asuna, Sinon, and Lipa's fucklights combined still aren't quite enough. But a fragment of Yujio's fucklight reaches Kirito, giving him the final push. So Kirito finally wakes up. He uses Yujio's perfect enhanced armament to freeze all the red players and confronts Visago. It happened, folks. Kirito finally woke up. And went Ultra Instinct. <laughs> not, not quite yet. No, I was just joking, man. You know, I, I have to throw those in. Like, when he wakes up, he's actually pretty worse for wear. He's, like, missing an arm and everything from back when he fought the administrator. But with Yu-Gi-Oh's spirit, he overcomes Visago, gets his arm back, puts on his old SAO gear. <laughs> you know, for the fan service. And now Visago's like, well, you can kill me now, but I'm always going to come back until I kill you all. And Kirito's like, you know about that. Now you're a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he takes his sword, stabs Visago, and transfers the memories of the Giga Cedar into Visago, which apparently turns him into a tree. It's a cedar. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens. Which Kirito just really killed the guy. Like, really killed the guy. (laughs) He he doomed him to an eternity as a tree. So he didn't take his life. (laughs) Per se. And I won't, and I won't, um, and I won't, uh, uh, I won't spoil it because you're still working your way up to the last episodes. But uh, yeah, yeah, some something kind of weird happened there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so meanwhile, at the Ocean Turtle, the uh, soldiers have released the limiters on the Underworld server, which will accelerate the time significantly to its maximum. And Kikuoka warns Kirito through kind of a mind link (laughs) that he has to leave using the world ends altar within 10 minutes or he will be trapped in the underworld for probably 200 years, which is well beyond what they expect is the capacity of a human soul. Yikes. Those are some serious stakes. So Alice is now fighting 
Gabriel a little bit. She tells her dragons to escape, but they disobey her and help her out until Kirito arrives to save them from being killed by converting them back into eggs. And he's like, all right, you got to get to the altar. Asuna, you go with her. I'll take care of this guy. So Kirito fights Gabriel Miller, who continues to do really outlandish things just because <laughs> like he's progressively turning into more and more of a monster like i think he absorbed his flyer thing into himself and changed because of it and then kept taking like all the energy and getting stronger and stronger until he looked a lot like the anti-spiral on current Lacan. <laughs> And Kirito actually struggles in this fight until he's able to release the power of both of his swords. Dual wielding. And, you know, you, you, of course, of course they would do a spirit bomb eventually. <laughs> Everyone senses Kirito calling out for the power and they send their thoughts and prayers and good vibes and energy and he's able to split the sky with the night sword and finally kill Gabriel Miller within the game, anyway, within the underworld. I, I, I'm just to interject. I detect a slight tone of mockery here, Sketch. <laughs> I just I'm want to just, put that. I just want to put that I'm, out there. Just, just I'm just. I'm just blown away that we've gone full on friendship power kill <laughs> it's always friendship power kill in in the world of anime it's a trip this is look at kaon look at kaon those girls killed for each other in kaon yeah <laughs> sao doesn't usually go this hard into shonen battle anime territory but it just went full on and i was like all right let's go <laughs> friendship is power I mean, to be fair, this has always set up the rules of, you know, your personal feelings being able to improve how powerful you are in the rules. So it makes sense. It's pretty ridiculous, especially when, like, some of the bad guys are like, yes, we will also lend you our energy. <laughs> Who bad? Which bad guys? Well, the dark not. territory people? Yeah, some like, of the dark territory people, but I guess they're not necessarily bad guys at that point. Nah, they were just misled. But didn't maybe no, all the red players got ejected, didn't they? And the red players are logged in because they're on their atmospheres. So yeah. they're not in soul translators or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh it's also I really appreciate just the the moment where they go over and you see the the elevator girl. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sitting in her elevator praying. <laughs> I love I love it. <laughs> I appreciate the attention to detail. Oh, they tied everything up. Yeah, they sure did. <clears throat> so the bad guys defeated, but wouldn't you know it? You didn't make it back on time. But Asuna decided to stay behind, which keeper, keeper, she, she she wins. 
she wins. She wins the waifu war. I'm sorry. She yep. wins. Yep. If she hasn't won at this point, she definitely wins because she spends 200 years with the guy. Yep. 200 years yeah. worth. Oh, it's just 200 years worth. <laughs> uh, so, back on the Ocean Turtle, Kikuoka has become the bodyguard for Higa as they try to, you know, reset the server so that Asuna and Kirito can log out. And Gabriel's logged out of the underworld, but he's just a spirit and he sees his dead body. And then Alicia's spirit appears before him and drags him down to hell. <laughs> That's got to be like the most fucked up thing ever. You lose and then get dragged to hell. <laughs> like, loser! I don't like the implication that she went to hell, but... <laughs> she probably just she probably just dragged him down and then dropped him off and then went off to wherever she's going. Yeah, you know, kind of like a soul Uber or something. Yeah, oh, I like that. You know what? That was that sounds like a good anime, man. Soul Uber. Soul Uber. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we need to we need to put that copyright on that real quick. So, <laughs> I remember that. Don't forget to lock down your website names too, your IPs, because yeah. Uh, yeah. People forget to do that, and then they have to do like uh, Soul Uber USA and shit. So yeah. lock that shit down fast. The thing that gets me in this scene is he's like shocked to see her, and then he like reaches out for her. It's like, no, don't reach for her, man. Not, not, now you've done it. <laughs> so, yeah, that guy. That guy deserves to go to hell for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all the yeah, souls all he's it. sucked. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> so Critter finds that both uh, Gabriel's dead body and Visago looking rapidly aged, totally messed up, and he's like, "Well, this is a big mess. I don't know what to do now." Until one of the other guys—I forget what his name was. Uh, Brig. Brig, yeah. Brig told him... Uh, wait, isn't Brig the guy who got shot? Or does that just not happen yet? Oh, oh, shit. Um, oh, uh, Hans. Hans. Hans, yes. It's Hans. Hans. Yeah, because yeah, Brig, Brig gets <laughs> shot when he tries to... Yeah. Uh, he and Critter. Uh, yeah. When they try to attack <clears throat> Kiga and Kikuoka and Kikuoka manages a really good kill shot. I mean, dang. Damn straight. <laughs> He's dangerous. He's like Secret Service dangerous. Yeah. And I kept then, telling Matt, I kept telling Matt, you got an action scene in, a, in an episode coming up, Matt. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And he's like, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and then we get to the episode and his action scene. I mean, he liked, he liked the scene where, you know, Kikuoka's like, you know, you know, standing up for, for Higa and everybody and finally like, you know, uh, uh, using his tactical skills or his tactical training and stuff. I was hoping, I was hoping there'd be more of a fight in the in the uh, engine room, but it was just him rushing in with the gun. It was heroic, but still, it was like I was hoping it was going to be something a little bit more, a little different than the book. But it, unfortunately, it wasn't. So I had to apologize to Matt when we recorded that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I built it up, Matt. He's like, oh, no worries. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh, boy. So at this point, Critter's like, well, I don't think we have anything else we can do other than leave, but we can rig the engine to blow. So let's do that. And that's what they do. And the engine room has gotten so hot that a human couldn't possibly go down there without dying. But somebody did try. However, just when all hope seems lost, Nemon appears. And who is controlling Nemon? But, uh. Kayaba. Hayava <laughs> is controlling Nemon in order to stop the explosion. And there's a moment where the robot's almost there and it starts shutting down. But then Rinko starts yelling at him, Aren't you Akihiro Kayaba? Aren't you Heathcliff? You are the only rival of the Black Swordsman. The greatest rival. <laughs> the greatest rival. It's like, I'm sure he's accomplished more in his life than that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, well, it works. He, uh, he, he overpowers the, the robot being shut down and saves the day. Just another attempt to... Uh, kind of redeem Kayaba that this story continues to do. <clears throat> ah, that's a plot armor. So, Kirito and Asuna have to spend the 200 years worth in uh, the underworlds. But back in the real world, Rinko has a press conference to introduce Alice to the world. And... This is where I feel SAO is trying to go as hard into Ghost in the Shell territory as it ever has. Your uh, your opinions may differ on whether or not they're successful. But I love that one reporter who's like, well, aren't they going to take our jobs? And then Rigo says, no, they're not going to take your jobs. That would be slavery. And then she's like, but they're supposed to take our jobs. Look, lady, pick a lane. You either four robots taking your jobs or you're not. Wait, what? What dialogue is this? What? <laughs> I don't remember recording that or adapting that. Taking jobs? Well, there. she's talking about the concern that robots would take all of the labor jobs. And then Rinko says, no, we're not going to force them to do labor. Yeah, because they're 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 essentially human, and so yeah, the idea was is that oh, you could just well, it's the whole thing about the the uh, Aliceization project was to um, uh, create a, a bottom up artificial intelligence. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, um, they were using souls as kind of like a template to help these AIs actually grow as like a, a human would. They gave it like a human soul of all things. They digitized a human soul and made a copy of it. So essentially the underworlders are human and that becomes the moral sort of uh, issue is, well, 
I mean, they're not just like, you know, a robot, like, you know, the toy that you wind up and watch it walk across your desk or anything. They're not like that. They're not an AI. They're actual, they're, they're humans. They have souls. So her argument was, there's no way we're going to just load these souls into factory robots to make your, to do this repetitive, like, you know, factory line, assembly line type of jobs, you know, like, you know, uh, spray painting a car you know (laughs) it's like she didn't want to do that um but then this reporter after hearing that is like Mm. but the industry is expecting this to happen and we need it to happen (laughs) it's and what does she say yeah she said no (laughs) they'll be free to make their own choices Yep. And, and then it goes as far as to, are you saying that they have human rights? And Franco's very, very articulate about how she presents this argument and that she understands that it's, it's, a, it's a leap for people to accept that these AI have the same kinds of human rights as they do, but she hopes that in time that they will which I think is about as well as you can handle that as you can. Also, <laughs> like, show us, uh, show us your brain. <laughs> so, like, can you open your skull and show me your brain? <laughs> they want to see that positronic network, man. Neurons oh. firing. <laughs> and everybody watches like, oof, Alice is a little mad. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be? Hell yeah, mad. Wouldn't you be? And in the middle of this uh, uh, press conference, Alice senses something and then goes to find that Kirito and Asuna are about to wake up. So that's good. They woke up. And of course, that 200 years worth that their flocklights survived did not, in fact, impede them from living. So, I mean... They seemed like high stakes, but ultimately they were going to (laughs) survive. Kind of. Well, that's what the mind wipe was. Yeah. When Kirito woke up, he was, uh, I don't know if you guys also uh, watched the Japanese version, Um, but uh, even Matsuoka's performance, yeah, Matsuoka's performance is very just tired and very just aged. Um, And so, yeah, we, you know, Bryce, Bryce was all about that too. So uh, we did that. So wiping those 200 years was very important to uh, uh, keep them alive and keep them sane. Um, It's just a lot of wear and tear on a soul. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I, you know, who's ever done this before? You know, it's like, who's ever tested how long a soul can live? Can you put a soul in a jar? You know, it's like, what do you, you feed it a pretzel every now and then just to keep it like sane? I don't know, but it's um, it was an interesting concept that that time would wear on a soul, that it's not just the body breaking down, but there's the, but the soul actually has a limit. Um, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I, I do. I think that's an interesting thing to explore. Oh, I got a little bit ahead of myself because I Oops, think sorry. It's, it's really important to. Well, at least I think it was an interesting tidbit that Rinko 
uh, gives the example that, you know, maybe these AI will eventually form families with humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Alice is, is down for that. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, always, man. But <laughs> it's Kiro Tsuko of all people, man. Yeah, everybody loves Kazuto. You know it. Dude so, like a waifu magnet. <laughs> and also at this point, uh, Kikuoko has pretended that he's dead. They they claim that he died. He's the one person who died on their side of the uh, ocean turtle incident. And, you know, reasonably, if he didn't pretend he was dead, he'd probably be very limited in what he could do. Yep. Because he's a, he has a lot to answer for. Yep. He left a he left a whole lot of mess in Rinko's hands. <clears throat> so they they wiped the two hundred years, but curious fellow that he is he just couldn't let it happen Higa just had to save a copy of clonito <laughs> yep and oh you you heard that yeah. you saw that in that other thing yeah yeah so that's copyrighted sketch that's actually five dollars a joke oh you, you can venmo it to me it's it's okay i don't, right. I don't mind <laughs> you got it buddy just kidding <laughs> Yeah, he he saves a copy, and King <laughs> Kirito, he's like, "Well, did you save Asuna?" Oh no, I didn't have time to save Asuna. Hmm, I see. And at this moment, I'm like, "Boy, that sounds like a villain origin story if ever I heard one." <laughs> <laughs> but he's remarkably chill about it. I mean, he's had 200 years to think about what he would do in this situation. And he's come to the conclusion that his sole purpose is to fight for the underworld. Makes sense. He, <laughs> his sole, was, sole purpose was to fight for the underworld? Yeah. <laughs> but Higa, imagine the possibilities here. You could copy Kirito so every girl in the harem could have one. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad idea, man. <laughs> It'd be a 200-year-old version of Kirito. I don't think he'd be fun to live with. <laughs> yeah, at this point that is like a, that is a serious age gap, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I was thinking more of the the current Kirito, not not that one. But <laughs> oh, 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 oh! I see. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, because I don't, I don't know. I feel like even young Kazuto. A copy of him would be like, okay, well, so I'm just a bodiless data now. That's cool. <laughs> I don't think you'd be like, I don't think you'd go crazy as well, so, so many see, of them did. See, the thing is, is that there's the underworld. Yeah. The, the underworld is a simulated civilization. And I mean, his soul could go back there. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Because they got to make copies of this boy because Asuna won. The <laughs> Asuna, <laughs> Asuna won. The rest of the girls just got to get over it. <laughs> uh, so the, Higa and 
Clonito, they have a conversation and they decide that they should probably get Kayaba involved in trying to protect the underworlds, figuring that he's still out there somewhere. Because, yeah, of course he is. <laughs> you think he inhabits a robot temporarily and then just disappears? Forget about it. He's out there somewhere. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching you. Every breath you take, every move you make. Yeah. Sneaking around in the fiber optics. <laughs> exactly. A digital pimp hard at work. Yep. Now, meanwhile, Kirito, Kazuto, having <clears throat> 200 years were wiped from his memory, the memory of losing Yu-Gi-Oh! is still very fresh because that's basically the cutoff point. So he goes home and he has a good cry and tells uh Suguha about it and they they share a nice moments i mean that's the first time he ever opened up to her like that that's true yeah that's true good job sis good job <laughs> and just when you thought all the ridiculousness was over <laughs> the final episode which begins with Alice shipping herself to Kazuto in a box. It's the only way she could get out of wrath. <laughs> only way she could get out of there. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. They wouldn't let her walk out. I mean, basically, she pulled a small wonder, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you're too old and if you're too young to understand that, you're too young for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alex knows, but... You know. I know. Oh, yeah. Thank you, sir. I didn't you know, Darrell, <laughs> Darrell, the one thing I could think of was, I don't know, Melfina did it better. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Out, outlaw star reference for you. But we still, we still going with um, Small Wonder, though. <laughs> All right. That is the reference of choice. <laughs> so after being rather... Uh, spooked by Alice appearing in a box before him. Kazuto assists her to get out of the box. She gets dressed and then she finally confronts him about not uh, allowing her to help him fight Gabriel Miller at the end there. But he's like, you know what? It was more important for you to leave. And she says, well, what am I to you now? He says, well, you're my hope, Alice. You're everyone's hope. Which is uh, pretty smooth there, Kazuto. Pretty smooth. <laughs> and then he shows her the dojo. And they have a fight. Which, Kazuto, it's probably not a good idea to fight a robot. <laughs> she could seriously injure you, man. <laughs> no, she's following the three laws. <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> but you... Yeah. She headbutts him at the end there. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know about that technique. <laughs> and she's like on top of him briefly. He's like, oh man, she's got to be pretty heavy. <laughs> but a lighter, you know, a lighter material, likely. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what do you think, Alex? Do you think? Oh, well, I mean, when she, when, when she was delivered, she's obviously made out of some kind of lightweight alloy or something 
and plastic and whatnot. Um, because when that guy delivered her, it wasn't like, you know, he's, she was on a cart and, you know, it wasn't, it didn't take like one of those, like, you know, Costco pallet movers to move her around. <laughs> so that's a good point. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, uh, I'm, it's, it's a, it's a, it's definitely not the Ichiamon body, um, or the Niamon body. Um, this is, this is, uh, this is like, those were just prototypes anyway, just to make sure that the, that the machinery was working and the gyros were working. And then, but ultimately, yeah, it's gotta be a lightweight body. Cause if, I mean, when she headbutts Kirito, she doesn't kill him. And like you said, she's not crushing him when she's on top of him. So, yeah. yeah. Come to think of it, a human body can weigh an awful lot. <laughs> so, yeah. probably but a bit more. It's probably like, like Alex said, um, let's see, alloys and probably polyfibers, man. Yeah. That, that stuff is like super light because I'm talking about look at how aluminum is, man. Titanium, like titanium, I think it's actually lighter than aluminum. I, you know, it's been a second since I did this chemistry stuff. So, so if I'm wrong, Somebody on the podcast who knows, kiss my ass if I'm wrong and say you're wrong, but yeah. <laughs> Things like that. Mm. Well, now we have a scene that I really didn't expect to see in this last Oh, the episode. sex scene, right. The sex no, scene. no, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Sorry, that's in the director's cut version of the episode. My bad, my yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> We haven't even gotten to bedtime yet, Alex. First, Oops. first, first, Kazuto's family has a discussion mm. about, hey, Kazuto, you've been missing for a while. That's not okay. You really needed to tell your mother and I about these things. Like, he did he take the job to visit the underworlds without them knowing? Yeah. Yeah, that's oof. And then of course they didn't know when he you know went into the coma and got taken on the ocean turtle. So Yeah, they just took him from the hospital. Uh Kikuoka was like, nah, these they can't help him here. We need to stick him in a soul translator. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Kikuoka probably should have uh informed them if anything. So, you know, it's a it's a top secret project. Uh, and I suppose. And the thing is, is that what I mean, the War of Underworld uh, and Alicization. I mean, this is like what it's been. It's been on for it's like two years, right? On and off of tsunami and stuff like that. But um, the it's actually only like four or five days, right? Yeah. So uh, it's. I mean, yeah. He's he was gone for four or five days um in our time um but of course lived you know two years plus six months in the underworld dealing with all that shit mm -hmm. um yeah so it's, it's you know it was like uh it was like he ran away from home for a few days but yeah his parents were very upset because he didn't tell them about the job mm -hmm. and this is what happens oh my god you got hurt and we don't know who to call what are you doing yeah. nobody knew not even sugu that's true. But I, I really appreciate that we we finally have a conversation between uh, Kazuto and his uh, his aunt and uncle who have become his mother and father at this point. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they're, they want to know, hey, 
what are you going to do with your life, kid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, well, I thought I would go to the U.S., but now I think I'm going to study in Japan, and I want to work. He essentially <laughs> wants to work at the Ocean Turtle. So they're like, okay, that's fine. And Alice chimes in. <laughs> I can't believe the audacity of her be like, father. <laughs> It's too good. I was like, father. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's she's a knight, so she's she's just being formal. But Alice chimes in is like, well, you have to understand that he did a great thing and he saved the underworld. And they're like, no, no, we we understand. We've heard all about the black swordsman and Kirito's face when he hears that. <laughs> it's just priceless. You wouldn't think he'd get embarrassed by things so much, but yeah, he it's like that moment he's like, oh geez. <laughs> now my my parents know about my exploits. Uh I didn't know this beforehand, but somebody told me that <clears throat> they had actually read the SAO Survival Yes novel. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the big book was released um about the SAO incident. And uh, yeah, everybody read that book uh, in the in the sword art story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so even his parents. So <clears throat> they uh, actually give us a very nice affirmation, and it was like this. This is nice. This is a nice family moment. I is this literally the first time we've ever seen his uncle? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I was pretty sure we saw his aunt at one point. Yeah, she was um um she was in season one. Um it was uh, just a voice. Um I think it's when Sugu was or wait a second, was it season one? Yeah, it was season one when Sugu was uh going to to Kendo practice or something. Mm-hmm. And then um and then we saw her and heard her in Alicization when um they were trying to uh find Kirito at the hospital. Yeah, and Caitlin Glass played her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So after that lovely family conversation, which is honestly, I I never expected for that to be shown in the series, and I appreciate that they are showing Kazuto have a serious discussion about his future because, I mean, that's such an important part of a student's life that it it would feel odd not to include it at some point but later that night alice sneaks into kazuto's room wearing just a shirt (laughs) and it takes her a moment to realize the implications of that until kazuto's like alice you're you're like wearing nothing at which point she's like oh i demand you stop leering (laughs) good luck with that But she's received a message, an email, that has given her an IP address that will allow them to access the underworld. A real working IP address, actually. Yes. If you type that in, you get a nice Easter egg. Yep. I mean, it's nothing big, but it's cute. It's just something cute, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's cute. (laughs) Apparently, Alice is able to wirelessly print things. She's, I mean, she's in a mechanical body, man. She's, she's connected. (laughs) She's connected. 
They're like, all right, well, we can return to the underworld and see how things are going. And Alice is all fired up to do that, and then Kirito drops the bomb. Hey, can, can Asuna come too? <laughs> 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 the look on Alice's face. The twitchy well, eyebrow. I suppose we could use another capable warrior. <laughs> Always, man. I mean, seriously, dude. You gotta have capable warriors around this camp. Mm-hmm. So, they go back to the underworld, and instead of arriving, like... Anywhere, on the world. On the world. <laughs> like... I don't think it's ever been explored if whether or not there was anything like is the world flat? <laughs> <I mean. laughs> well, now we know it's not because they arrive in space. Yeah, that kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, what the hell? Lost in space. <laughs> Sword art in space now. I know, right? With spaceships. And space monsters <laughs> and we don't really get much information on that other than it seems that uh, the two characters that we're introduced to are descendants of Ronnie and Tisei mm -hmm. which is nice and they eventually recognize all three of them because Alice is uh, apparently considered quite the hero and has a painting up uh, somewhere, and uh, obviously Kirito and Asuna were both basically ruling over the underworld for a while, so you'd think that they'd be recognizable. <laughs> and they just show up and they pull off fancy moves, kill the space monster, and we end. Cliffhanger! I uh, know. <laughs> now, it's my understanding from a bit of research that I did that this actually takes place maybe two or three novels later than where they leave the underworld. Um, actually, I think it's, uh, wait a second. I think it's all, no, it's all in volume 18. Yeah, it's really? all here in volume 18, even the ending. Huh. Yeah, um, I think um, the next two novels, or maybe it's uh, two spinoff novels, they kind of uh, they follow Ronnie and Tisei while Kirito and Asuna are uh, doing their king and queen act in the underworld, and uh, and you get a little more in depth about how uh, how they all you know were living and interacting and whatever they were doing. Um, Oh, that's and then it and then it turns into like uh, what is it uh, a unital ring or something? I think it's the next arc, the next yeah. big arc. Yeah, which I I haven't read into that at all. Um, okay, so it like leaves off a cliffhanger, and then you get mm -hmm. that that story that fleshes out what Kirito and Asuna were up to in those two hundred years. And yeah. Then you come back to this moment. And that's how Unital Ring starts. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, that that makes more sense. <laughs> I guess I couldn't gleam that from what I was getting a description of Volume 18. 
Mm. Yeah, no, volume 18. I mean, uh, War of Underworld, Alicization, it followed the books, um, uh, the light novels, um, pretty, pretty closely. Like everything that was going on in the show was going on in the books. There was a bit of a switcheroo with Visago's character. Um, he is, uh, he ends up in, um, when he goes to Japan to donate his kidney, um, he ends up falling in with some Korean gangsters in, mm. in Tokyo. And um, they train him to be, basically be a killer for, for hire. And he, uh, they have him log into Sword Art Online after, uh, after they find out that, uh, after Sword Art Online goes online, um, they find out that uh, uh, they need to, they want to kill somebody who's playing that game and who's stuck in the game. And so they basically say, hey, Visago, you know, go into this game and whack this guy, you know? <laughs> and he's like, sure, I don't mind killing Japanese people. So they got rid of like all of that stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the anime, he's just kind of like sitting there watching the news and he sees the, he sees an opportunity to just kill Japanese people. So then he goes out and buys a, whatever, a, the, uh, uh, what's it called again? The helmet. God, I forget it. The atmosphere is the safe one. Nerve gear. Nerve gear. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. He goes buy, buys one. Gear. <laughs> yeah, he just goes and buys one on the black market and, and then logs in just to kill some Japanese people. And that was that. So I guess they didn't have time for all that other backstory stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention this because it's 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 just too much that uh Asuna like tells him you you must hate Kirito so much. And it's like, well, what are you talking about? I love that guy. Yep. <laughs> Uh, anime villains. I mean, you know what? It's it's obsession, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's um, you can you can think of a of a correlation if you go on Twitter and um, there's one particular fan who's always going after a particular voice actor for no fucking reason, just you know. <sighs> tweeting tweeting harassment at him and all this kind of stuff it's that same kind of mentality mm. that same kind of bizarre obsession um that you know that sort of twisted obsession um that's, that's a fitting analogy yeah i mean that's pretty much the psychology of that character mm. <clears throat> and okay. in the anime at least i honestly had to realize that uh, the the person who was getting the kidney was not Kirito because it looks so much like Kirito when Kirito's in the hospital. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a couple people asking about that actually, and it's like, ah, uh, no. But I guess you know you could you could make that that sort of stretch that that kind of helped push the saga when he sees Kirito and Sao. It kind of gives him this sort of. I it, it, it's it's so close. It's like instant. Great. I hate my stepbrother. I'm gonna hate you too. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So boy, this uh, this story, it went places. 
<laughs> Just when I thought it couldn't get crazier, it it ends in space. <laughs> what what well, is this? The final frontier. What is this? Uh, the why can't I think of the the company that the joke is that all uh, trigger shows end in space. <laughs> when did SEO <laughs> become a trigger show? <laughs> Yeah, but what a ride. And, you know, I've, I've been following SAO since the first season, and it's just, I had to see. I had to see where it would end up. And obviously, it's not completely done, but a lot of, a lot of things came back around, and it was, it was satisfying. I mean, I you, you got to mock it for a while, so... <laughs> I hope you had fun mocking it. <laughs> it gave you some kind of pleasure. <laughs> See, uh, you probably didn't listen to our uh, top 10 lists, but SAO was at the bottom of my top 10. It was at the bottom the, of your top 10. Of all, of all of the shows that have aired on Toonami, let me stress. And that's like, it was a lot more than 50 shows mm. so because well, at the end of the day though i definitely find lots of flaws with it i have a good time watching it i mean that's i mean honestly that's great and you know wow i, I mean number 10 is fantastic i mean it's not like i write the goddamn show anyway i'm just giving you some <laughs> sass yeah. but it's like but it's 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 always funny because sometimes rarely Sometimes, um, after I post my tweet about, oh, this episode is coming up tonight on Toonami at one, you know, whatever. Sometimes, you know, I'll hop on Twitter for a second and, you know, just see how, you know, people are liking the episode. And Toonami Faithful, <laughs> they either get the dialogue wrong in their tweets, so it's totally confusing. And it's like, well, obviously, Obviously, you're lost. That's not even what the characters are saying. Or somebody's giving it some sass. And I always sit back and I go, well, I, at least they're enjoying doing this. <laughs> at least they're wa enjoying watching the show for some reason. Well, and so I always kind of go. Those tweets is probably paraphrasing. I, they're paraphrasing a lot in some cases. Because <laughs> then I'll, I'll like go down and I'll see like a like somebody else's reply to it and it'll be like wow who would watch such a fucking show that doesn't even make any sense and i and i want to i want to help you know sense in context well yeah. i well it's it's i i want to help i want to sort of straighten it out so that maybe this person who doesn't even want to watch the show because you know the whatever was wasn't phrased right or whatever i just want to say actually they said this but I know from experience what will happen when I do that is this person will tweet back at me telling me something like your show is shit or something like that. And I'll just be like, ah, another day in the core. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? But I, 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 I'm glad that you liked it enough to put it on the list at all. So that's really, that's really sweet. You know, you I'm know, glad I, that I debated it a bit, but I mean, between all of the God damn it, sketch. <laughs> 
I was, I was so, you had me, you had me in the palm of your hand, and then you said some stupid shit about debating it. Look, look, Alex, Alex, what if I said it was between that and Kill a Kill? Oh, was Kill a Kill not on your list? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh god, I can't die. Well, now I'm just depressed. Oh, <laughs> now I'm just depressed. We worked so hard on Kill a Kill. That it should is be a fantastic dub. That should be at least in the top five of your list. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, it's, it, it's tough, Alex. I mean, there's there's shows like Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood to consider. I mean, you know what. Apples, oranges. What are you going to do? Yeah. In the shell. I, you know, I, 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 I can't police what you watch. Sure, those are fine shows. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, we can always get out on Alexa. Alexa, play Nuck if you buck. <laughs> Here's Nuck if you buck by Crime Mob, <laughs> featuring Lil Scrappy on Amazon Music. <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> Man, don't get us content claimed. Oh, God. You might oh. want to take that out. <laughs> I, oh, God. That was just worth using for a second. It's fine. It's oh, well, either way, either way, it's... Their opinions. There were it's, people it's, who did have Kill a Kill on their list, but I hate to tell you, it wasn't everybody. Well, that's okay. I mean, again, it's like, you know, we don't even know when we're recording these shows most of the time that it's even going to air on Toonami. You know, at this point, it's like, who knows where it's going to go? Netflix, Funimation, Crunchyroll, Hulu. I have no idea. So, you know, it's whenever a show does end up on Toonami, it's actually, you know, it's really cool because, you know, it's a, it's a special block. And uh, I mean, and it's still going on and it introduces people to all sorts of great shows and, you know, not so great shows too. Um, But, you know, it's, it's such a special thing to be a part of. Um, that you know, again, it's like, it's like, uh, obviously I was just kidding sketch. I don't, I don't care if it makes your list at all. I'm, you know, it's, if no, I'm just having fun with you too. If, you know, I mean, again, it's like it there, the shows are there to watch and enjoy if you, if you're into certain things, um, you know, and, uh, I mean, it's always, it's, it's always a blast to be like, oh shit, we're doing sword art again. Is it gonna be on Toonami? We don't know. <laughs> when, we're, when we're recording, it's kind of like up in the air. Um, so, and then, you know, of course, there's always a, there's always the, you know, the diehard sword art fans who, you know, are really into the show and really into the characters and follow it along. And I know that it makes them really happy that it's, you know, on a block like a prestigious block like Toonami. So it's, uh, you know, it's 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 good to know that uh, all this time spent in these dark little rooms, well, before COVID, um, that all this time spent in these dark little rooms and all this work that we put into it, um, that someone's getting some kind of enjoyment out of it, you know? So, so I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys and what you do with Tsunami Faithful. Um, I mean... Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really cool that you guys do this. It's uh, You guys are kind of historians too, because 
I mean, you've been following Toonami. You've all been following Toonami since its beginnings. Am I correct? Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So, Literally I mean. like Saturday mornings, man. Like, yeah. Sailor Moon so, and all that. So, I mean, with, with all the shows that you've seen, to have Sword Art be number 10 on your list sketch, hey, man, I'll fucking take that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was but Kill a Kill is number 11, right? Yeah, we'll go, with, 11, we'll right? go with that. We'll go with that. Oh, shit, I don't even remember no more, man. <laughs> Damn it! Like that night, man. Like finishing up. I was. Yeah, you was poor tired. guy. It was so late for you. <laughs> oh, were you guys all doing it on like compiling your lists on a call and like debating on which should go where and stuff like that? No, we didn't really debate. We just kind of gave our reasonings for yeah why, why we pick certain shows. So, uh, well, and see, it, it, there's it was, a... it was just late. Well, see, there's another thing about about you guys is that um, is that you get together and you do that, you know. It's like, it's you do stuff like that. You take it seriously, um, yeah. and I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, well, we we certainly take we really appreciate seriously. the work that you put into it, though, Alex. Man, I mean, like your Absolutely. dedication, your dedication with it, man. It's just like bar none. Well, you know, somebody out there is going to like it, and or is hoping to like it. And I just want to make sure they have the best experience in English as they possibly can. And plus the actors, um, you know, uh, some of these actors, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for a show that's going to break them out in this industry. And um, if, if I don't do, if I don't work hard, um, it's, they're not going to sound good. So they won't be able to put it on their reel. You know, they won't be able to, you know, take it to the, to an agency and go, Hey, look, I was just in this show. Here's a scene from it that I'm really proud of. So it's, you know, uh, again, I, you know, I take it seriously because, um, I know that not everybody, but I know that people depend on me taking it seriously, um, uh, for their sake. So, But you guys all know this. I mean, we talked about this at length, like yeah, we really years ago. Yes. Yeah. So, Darrell, was there uh, any particular standout moments this season of SAO that you had anything else to say about? You kind of pretty much wrapped everything up so perfectly, sketch that it's kind of hard to follow up with it, man. You know, like probably one of my little favorite um scenes was like the pugilist fighting against the little chick with the um. The little skinny sword, and she was actually whooping his ass. Oh, Shayta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that right there was just pure. I was like, man, this little dominatrix right here. She actually laid a smackdown on nobody. So yeah. I actually did enjoy that. But overall, you know, I know you put a lot of work into it, Alex. As always, man, it was it was beautifully done, man. Well, good. I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed you know, it. This is not me just grandstanding, you know, to endear you, man, but you always do a a stand-up fucking job with it, so you know, man. I'm glad well, that you're the one that's actually working on it. Well, no, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it, and thanks for saying that, man. That means a lot. Hey, man, look at like Sword Art Online is something you know. The novels they can be a little bit problematic, you know, with you know certain parts of the content, but overall, man, you know, we talked about that in the past. But the thing is, you actually get you make the story come alive in such a way that you know. 
whether people hate it or like it, it's still a memorable experience and it's something that always sticks out with me. Good. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, I, I certainly try and, and definitely, definitely the actors try too. Everybody tries. The engineers, yeah. And it's always easier to understand what's going on when you watch it dubbed. Yeah. 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 There was quite a few times when I was watching the subtitled versions where I was kind of scratching my head and going, oh my God, what the hell does that mean? When I get to the part in the book, it would be like, oh, it's like like two pages of stuff that was just this one line or whatever. And it's the, kind of a throwaway line, it seemed. And then, you know, I'd have to uh, figure out how to, how to, I don't know, incorporate two pages of understanding into a couple of lines. And there was a couple of moments like that the the thing about everybody praying for kirito at the end uh or at the end of his fight with gabriel um actually the client um uh uh, uh sayumi um who was kind of taking over producing for hero at anaplex we had this long conversation where i was like yeah this scene it's like in the book it says this but that doesn't make sense and you know, everybody's using the word heart and this interchangeably, and it's all like all over the place. And she's like, oh, well, that scene, they're actually saying Kokoro. And I was like, oh, what is that? And then she told me this whole thing about the meaning of Kokoro, which is like, uh, it, can in, it can be the organ of the heart, you know, the actual blood pumping organ. Um, or it could mean heart as in like your spirit, you know, not not soul, but your spirit, like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then also the uh, the soul. And so when she told me all of that, I was like, oh, got it. And so then I figured out how to adapt. Um, like when um, uh, uh, Sinon uh, like sees it and then she says her thing about it, I was like, oh, okay. So then I could figure out how to actually adapt that into English into something that would sort of make sense for an English speaking audience that isn't familiar with the novels. It's just watching this thing for the first time. It wouldn't be a, a big of a speed bump. They could understand that um, the sky with the stars uh, in it is uh, Kirito's essence, basically. His, his soul, his essence, his whatever. Um, and you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's work, you know, it's just, it's just sticking with it, committing to it and um, trying to make the right choices to make every line count essentially. So whether anybody, whether anybody noticed that or not is another story, but hopefully it wasn't like a speed bump where some, where, you know, Sinan says her lie, uh, her line and she's looking up at the sky and somebody's like, what the fuck did she just say? You know, <laughs> hopefully nobody did that. <laughs> well, I think but you, you never know. Handled it quite well. So, speaking of the process of adapting uh, and dubbing this series, you had an interesting experience doing that this past year. Oh yeah. So why don't Why don't you tell us from like beginning of process to end how how that all played out yeah so we finished the first half of the war of underworld while we were still in the studio and the second half 
um, uh, was uh, kind of delayed because of you know, COVID restrictions. Um, I believe it was delayed in Japan too a little bit. Um, when I when we finally got around to uh, uh, starting work on it, um, you know, it, it's so with COVID, um, I'm kind of used to just staying at home most of the time anyway. Um, uh, writing, uh, adapting these scripts takes longer than it takes to record them for me. Um, so I'm mostly home. Um, the, you know, the only difference was is I wasn't hopping in the car and going to the studio. So I was kind of used to this kind of hermit lifestyle anyway. Um, the, you know, the writing process was the same as always, you know, either at the desk or on the couch, you know? Um, but the actual recording part, um, by the time we started recording this, I had already uh, done some remote records. We did some pickups for Dragon's Dogma, which is on Netflix, which was my first original animation actually that I got to work on. Um, so we did some pickups for the last couple of episodes of Dragon's Dogma remotely. That went well. Um, I worked on uh, a game called East Nine, Monstrum Knox. Uh, that was all recorded remotely. And that went okay. Um, we were having an issue where um, this was all, this was a, a few months into this. And so people had already been recording remotely. And during the session, we had two clients on the line. And um, uh, some of the actors, um, so we would, when we're recording remotely, uh, our recording engineer um, is in a proper studio and they're patching us in um, through another interface called Source Connect. Um, if we're, if we need to see picture for like mouth flaps or something, we're usually doing that with another app like Zoom or Skype. Um, I think there's another one that you can use. Um, the actors all get emailed copies of the script. Um, and then, you know, there's a little bit of a, 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 a lag. Uh, I think this is about a, a second. Um, some people have experienced a two second lag, um, but it's usually runs smooth. You know, I've got the script on my end, so I just call out the next line number or whatever. Um, uh, our clients uh, for East though, introduced me to um, sharing scripts over Google Hangout with the actors because we were, we were getting into a problem where actors didn't know how to navigate their scripts. Um, yeah, it was really weird. Like, you know, everybody was scrambling to try and, um, prepare for this. Like a lot of voice actors, you know, have like, um, you know, microphone, a preamp, you know, a quiet place to record auditions at home. Um, very, a few actors also have like booths and stuff, like, especially if they're doing like commercials or audiobooks, um, they can just do that on their own at home. And they're very proficient with Pro Tools and stuff. And they have enough monitors, you know, real estate space on their monitors to like, you know, have scripts and Pro Tools interface up and all that shit. But a lot of actors were caught off guard with COVID and they were making do as best as they could with their whatever setup they had already set up. 
So some actors would be actually reading the script on their phone, um, which is not optimal um, when you're recording a game with like, you know, 20,000 lines. Um, they, you know, the search function is pretty easy, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, quite a few actors uh, just weren't, um, they hadn't figured that out yet. And so our clients introduced me to uh, like Google Hangouts so that I could share the script with them and then I could manipulate the script. Um, I could just, you know, I could go to the next line of their characters and they would actually see that on their end if they, you know, were sent a link. Um, and, uh, and so that was great because now, you know, when I was recording the rest of War of Underworld, um, uh, I would create these Google links for the actors and for the ones who, you know, wanted, didn't mind me manipulating the script. It was great because I could just, you know, punch in the next loop number for them. It would, you know, they would see the, the script as I was seeing it. If I needed to rewrite a line for any reason, I was doing it and it was appearing on their end. So, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff was going on. Um, sword art, uh, recording sword art though, um, it was pretty, uh, everybody had pretty much figured out how to do this by, by then, uh, like record from home. Um, the only things that were, that were kind of getting in the way were things like, um, uh, like internet connection. Um, sometimes the source connect interface would just dump everybody. Um, it hasn't done that lately. Um, but there are weird mystery times when source connect just fails or it kicks one person off. Um, there's, uh, there's still the latency issue. Um, when, our, uh, when the recording engineer in the studio is recording, um, the actor, when the actor records their take, it comes in a second after the, the beeps. So it's like way out of sync. So the engineer has to grab that track and then put it in place to see if it'll sync. Um, so the record from home process actually takes about twice as long as it normally does. Problem is, <laughs> this is hilarious. The problem is, is that the schedule hasn't changed. So we still got to deliver at the same rate of speed that we were recording when we were in studio. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I've, I've explained to Bang Zoom many times, hey, you know, guys, this is a problem. You're looking at the session report. I'm filling it in every day. You know, we had these tech issues on the actor's end today. Shit, my fucking internet crapped out on me today for 10 minutes. Uh, something happened at Bang Zoom, you know, and, and the internet went down there. I mean, that was something that happened uh, once or twice. Um, but the whole idea of just grabbing the line and moving it into place, I mean, the, the engineer isn't seeing it in real time as if it, like he would or she would if we were all in the studio together working. Um, even the actor sometimes has latency on their video. So uh, sometimes the video is dropping frames because Zoom and Skype are only so good. I, I, I can tell you that in a lot of the more active shots in sword art, um, the shots where there was a lot of like 
particles moving in the frame and the, and the camera was tilting down or dollying to the side, um, we would, our previews would always be kind of choppy. Um, on static shots with not a lot of extra sort of effects going on in it, the video was fine. So whenever the video was kind of choppy, <clears throat> a lot of the actors would use just the, they would listen to the Japanese and just try to keep, try to keep it in their head how long the uh, Japanese actor spoke and then try to match that. Um, and then of course, trusting whatever hitches I've indicated in the ad adapted script for them. Um, but again, the engineer has to move it into place and then watch it back to see if it's in sync or not. If it's not in sync, then the engineer tells us, okay, we need to go a little longer on the first half of the line and a little faster on the second half. Or uh, this line is super short, Alex, we need an extra word on the end of the second half. Um, so stuff like that makes it go about twice as long as it normally should, uh, or as it should in a normal recording scenario. Um, you know, it's a test of everybody's patience, mm. for sure. For sure. Oof, that sounds rough. It's, you know, you get used to it. The rough thing for me, uh, and I can't speak for anybody else, but the rough thing for me is when we're recording, I, I, I'm only hearing voices. Um, we're not in the same space together. Um, and so I can't like say hi, hi. I can't direct with my face or my hands. I have to do it all through just whatever words, my phrasing and stuff. Um, like Bryce and I, when a lot of times when we work together, he'll do a take and he'll immediately look at me right after he's done. He'll look at me and I'll be looking right at him usually. And if I need another take, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of say, I'll, I'll put my hand on the button, the top back button and be like, I was thinking a little more like, you know, at the end or something and I'll make a face and then Bryce will know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, because we've worked so on so many different things together over the years. Um, and I'm, I'm that way with a lot of actors, actually. An actor can just look at me and I could look at them and go, I was thinking a little more bleh or something. And they'll be like, oh, I totally get it. Now it's like, I think I need a touch more ennui on the, you know, it's like, it just kind of, just being in the, being in the same space with these people and, you know, and, and having eye to eye contact with them. I mean, that's rough for me because, you know, I, I really like the people I work with, most of them. Um, and, and, um, and it's, uh, it's just not having that, that kind of interaction is, is kind of rough. Um, but again, you know, what do you do? I mean, we are incredibly fortunate that our industry figured this out as quickly as it did. And, um, and even though there was some, um, there was some rough, uh, stops and starts at the beginning of recording from home time. Um, we've all gotten kind of used to the, the deal and um, actors are a little sharper now. They're paying a little more attention, it seems, um, uh, to the preview and timing. Um, they're, they're a lot more knowledgeable about 
their own audio equipment because they um, have to uh, ride their gain and levels on their end. Uh, uh, they well, they they don't have to ride them necessarily. They have to you know just pay attention to it. Like if there's a scream, if we preview like a, a an attack yell or something, an actor has to know how far down to twist their gain knob so that they don't blow the, the microphone out and they don't blow their take. Um, the recording engineer can always boost the levels on their end, but you know, actors are starting to become very more aware of, of uh, what they need to do um, so that they don't like uh, 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 fry a take by, by screaming too loud and being too loud on their gain. Um, uh, what else? Uh, um, actors have now figured out how to use the search function. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so a lot of actors don't need uh, Google Hangouts on with me anymore. Um, there's uh, there's a couple who still like doing it that way, and it's actually kind of cool that they do because again, for rewrites, it's always easier if I can just rewrite it. Um, as opposed to having an actor sort of having me go, hang on one sec, let me write this. I write it in my copy of the script and then I tell the actor, I'm going to change the and to an it's. All right, here we go. You know, that that kind of shit. I, if I can just do it for them, it's actually easier. It's one less thing for them to worry about. They don't have to touch um, their script interface at all because again, I'm scrolling up and down. Um, I'm re I can rewrite things on the fly. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit, I, I think it takes a little bit, little bit off their plate. And if I can help do that, then I'm all for it. But, you know, again, not every actor likes doing that. It, it hogs bandwidth. So, you know, uh, some actors prefer just, you know, taking the script on their iPad and just flicking around on it or whatever. Um, well, that's about it. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's definitely weird. I don't like it. Um, but there's nothing I can do again. Our industry is really fortunate that it managed to figure this out relatively quickly within a month and a half, two months. Um, and, uh, people could still work, um, which, you know, a lot of people are out of work now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing that it came together the way it does, the way it did, and that it works as well as it does most of the time, most of the time. Oh, and I also forgot, actors also are recording a backup track oh. every session. So actors have to hit record on whatever their interface of choice is. And at the end of the session, if we, if we record multiple episodes, um, they have to create a track for each episode for their character. And then they have to email it back to the, whatever studio they're working with. And that way, if we do encounter, if our, if whoever's editing after our recording is done, whoever's editing all the, all the takes together, um, if they find that there's some digital dropouts or something because of the connection, they can go and use the backup from the actor. And then that should be clean. And then they can pop that take in there from there. So that's, pretty much how it's working wow yeah it sounds like the the actors have to take on a little bit of the role of the engineer these days yeah no they definitely do they have to understand you know uh which most of them do i mean most of them understand what good mic position is 
what their what their placement, what their own body's placement in front of the mic is, what's preferable. Um, I know that, uh, for example, again, Bang Zoom, uh, they actually ran individual tests with every single actor until every single actor was cleared on the test. They would test connectivity. They would test um, whether the signal was, you know, clean or not. Um, they would test if the actor could, uh, if their computer was strong enough to handle uh, having Source Connect on along with uh, a video feed from the studio, you know, with the picture on it. Um, so all that stuff was, you know, tested with each single actor over the course of two months, month and a half, something like that. It's a hell of a job. It's a hell of a job. Yeah. But, you know, now, it, but every studio did that to some extent. And, uh, and now, and, and again, I, I, I told you guys that, you know, Bang Zoom uses like Source Connect and maybe Zoom or Skype for the video. Um, I've heard that other studios are using completely different interfaces that I've never heard of um, for video. Um, Source Connect seems to be the standard for audio, but I've also heard some other studios, big studios are using a totally different interface that I, I don't even, I've never heard of it. It's a bunch of initials, apparently. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the name of the interface is. But um, yeah, so everybody's kind of, everybody kind of figured out how to work this way and uh this is the way it's going to be great thing about it is is that i was working with quite a few people from texas um yeah. so yeah it was it was and that was really cool because it was like oh hi i'm alex <laughs> oh hi i'm Brittany lauda you know uh, or you know i'm j michael tatum i'm damon mills well damon lives here now but still it was like i think he was still in texas when we were recording east nine um, but it was great having access to even more great actors. Um, so that does I mean, seem to be the biggest silver lining about the whole change of process here. Cause you're looking at the dubcasts of various shows that are coming out right now. And a lot of them use talent from multiple regions and it's just great to see. Yeah. Isn't it? It's great to have that kind of, kind of mix um and for me it's great to experience these other actors from some from like texas or something because i mean you know honestly not every actor works the same way and especially in dubbing some actors are used to doing things a, a, a certain way also um a lot of uh, from what i hear um sentai prefers when they dub they actually preview the whole scene for the actor and then the actor records the whole scene Whoa. and then they go back and you know punch in for particular lines that the director wants to redo for whatever reason which is an interesting way of dubbing um i i think i think there's i don't think funimation does it that way but um and like for hitches um yeah, when i when I, when Bang Zoom was like, here, here's our book. This is what we use um, to sort of, you know, train people on how to how to adapt scripts and how to direct or whatever. Um, I was like looking at it and these these things about the hitches, like 
Eric Sherman of Bang Zoom devised this sort of array of uh, hitch indicators for different timings. So like an apostrophe is an eighth beat of a hitch. Uh, a tilde is like a quarter beat. A carrot is a half beat. A forward slash is a full second hitch or a full beat. And I'm working with like, well, just for example, um, I'm working with Damon. Damon's like, what the fuck does that squiggle mean? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, that's a hitch. It's like a quarter beat. Just think about it as a quarter beat. Well, what's the apostrophe? Uh, it's kind of like just a quick little breath in between the lines. Oh, okay, cool. You know, I mean, he got it really, really quick, but still it's like, you know, like the Texas actors only use like one or two symbols to indicate a hitch, or I think they use dots or something. I forget what, what Damon said, hmm. but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's neat. You know, I, I, I get to work with a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different places. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, I, when, when we, when we're able to get back to recording in the studio, I hope that doesn't change. I hope that it's great working with people in the studio, but you know what? There's, you know, there's times when, yeah, we could totally use so-and-so from Texas to play this character because why not? I mean, you know, I'm sure the West Coast actors aren't happy, you know, hearing me say something like that. But, you know, the, the same is true for them because Funimation has been using West Coast people like all, all the time now, um, you know, peppering them in their dubs and stuff like Kellen's in stuff for like, I think he's in My Hero Academia and I think Zeno, Zeno's in a couple of things for them. Um, and, and that's just two of the West Coast actors. Um, so, I mean... I think it's great. Yeah, I think I it's great. I love, I love seeing it because yeah, you know it's it. Each area has their own actors, and you know they there's plenty of variety in both voice pools. But when you can mix and match, it it really spices things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I hope it. that doesn't stop. I hope that doesn't stop when we get back to recording in the studio. It's just remarkable the level of quality that all these studios have managed from recording from home. It... <laughs> yeah. So you don't even know how much. <laughs> so you don't even know how much work goes into these things. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure the engineers are given a impossible task. Yeah, so the so the engineers um, I work with, I always listen to them. If they say something's unusable or if something's got a click in it, I don't give two shits if the actor is recording a backup track. We're going to get that take again and hopefully without any sort of um, artifacting or anything in it. Um, if I'm always asking the engineer, how does it look to you? How does it sound to you? because I can't even trust my connection at this house. So um, the, we've, we've, we're being forced to edit a lot of takes of pieces of takes. Um, some actors, you know, some actors are good, you know, on their very first take. Some actors are good on their fifth or sixth or sometimes 10th. You know, just takes them a while. It depends on experience, really. Uh, are they experienced as actors? 
are they experienced with dubbing? Um, so I can tell you that uh, the engineers that I've been working with, um, we've been, I've been asking them to edit like multiple pieces of takes together. Um, and that's just the recording engineer. Um, the editors, again, um, I've heard horror stories where some directors are just, I guess they just want to get, get whatever they're working on done. And they don't, they don't really care if an engineer says, hey, there was some artifacting there. Oh, whatever, we'll just use the backup. I've had actors say, well, why do you want it again? I have my backup. And I have to say, well, I have to explain to the actor, well, you know what? Um, let's get it again anyway, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so the editors, uh, they, have to, um, they have to go through and if they hear artifacting, um, a dropout or something, uh, because a director was in too much of a hurry, then that editor is responsible to find that take from the actor's backup recording. And hopefully that's good. And then they have to, you know, put it in there. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's mind blowing. And then, you know, the mixers, um, the mixers are dealing with actors who um, they, they all, they don't, they're not all recording on the same kind of microphone. Mm. Right. So that is an issue. Also, they're not all recording in a completely dead room. No. Um, yeah. And they're um, all different rooms. Yes. And so um, one of the things that uh, our engineers are looking out for are things like reflections of sound off of things. We were recording something the other day. Um, it's uh, uh, with an actor who's a newish, young actor, um, new to dubbing. Um, um, their space, they have a, a, a they have an insane microphone. Like their microphone, the engineer actually told me before the session, he was like, oh shit, they got like the best fucking microphone. And I'm like, great, this is gonna sound awesome. Well, so the actor in their space, um, they put up their soundproofing and stuff, but there's also kind of like a shelf near the microphone. <laughs> and if, and so if the actor is standing in a certain angle towards the microphone, the engineer could hear the voice reflecting off of the shelf and you know so you know stuff like that um it's so our mixers whoever's mixing mike brooks mixed uh sword art online he has from the start um um i i haven't been able to talk to him um i i spoke with him briefly um halfway through this uh, this last arc of War of Underworld just to make sure he was okay with everything. And he's saying, yeah, the engineers are taking care of him. They're giving him, you know, good sounding takes. Um, he's, he's, but he still has to work to make sure that, uh, um, that everybody's, that the qualities of everybody's microphones and spaces is kind of balanced out so that when he puts his effect of the environment or the room that the characters are in, that it all sounds okay and and nothing is too jarring or too present or any of that stuff so um but it's there's a lot of behind the scenes work that that goes on to to output these shows so whenever you see things like 
oh shit, this show's dub is behind. Um, you know, it's probably because of technical difficulties. Um, and a lot of times, most likely, it's probably because, um, you know, everything takes twice as long now. Um, or maybe they needed a lot of pickups because, again, they had a director who doesn't give a fuck, you know, and they just want to fucking, you know, invoice the company and get this anime out of their fucking hair. So, oh, oh, engineer says it's a garbage take. Fuck it. Backup. I hate to say it, but, you know, that's happening. That's happening with uh, regularity, actually. So, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. It's, it's just remarkable, and I, I absolutely applaud all the effort going into this. The interesting thing I've noticed is that BangZoom and uh, this, this, this might sound uh, uh, some kind of way, but uh, I've noticed that BangZoom's very consistent with their release schedules of these dubs. Like the Yashihime dub comes out basically every week without fail, and you uh, you had Sword Art, of course, airing week to week on Toonami. I don't know mm -hmm. how much uh, buffer you had. A and lot. Some of the other Crunchyroll, uh, some some of the Crunchyroll dubs are also coming out week to week. Whereas Funimation's way more sporadic in that they'll dub an episode and then it might be two three weeks before they dub another one of that particular show. But I'm sure it comes down to they they are taking on so many shows at once, like yeah into 20 shows at once which is probably not the best idea but yeah well, also Funimation is not only a recording studio it is first and foremost a distributor yeah so yeah they have quite a lot of stuff going on over there and um I don't know if they have enough people to manage all that stuff um I mean they run a professional ship um I have never heard I have never heard that they were uh, scatterbrained or anything like that over there. Um, I can only imagine how overwhelming all the work is that their that their staff is expected to deal with. I mean, I think they're I, I think all of their adapters are on staff. Um, I yeah. think their directors are staff too, yes. so they're not freelance like 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 me. Um, yeah, the directors and adapters they're they're on staff. And they all and they all jump around, right? Like like someone will be directing one show, but then they'll have to go down the hall for the second half of the day and direct this other show, and then somebody will step in and I guess it's called assistant directing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So I've heard that that's going on. Um. So yeah, that's because they're just fucking slammed. Bang Zoom, <laughs> you know, Bang Zoom works like this: one director, one show. Um. So. And I can tell you that the Yashihime dub, um, Jalen is in, he's, he's directing that thing and he's a serious guy. I mean, he's fun, but um, he takes his job seriously. And so um, he's not gonna, that, that thing's not gonna fall behind schedule because of him. Hmm. And I think Laura Stahl was uh, adapting the scripts too. Yes. So yeah, so that's not gonna, it's not going to get behind because she's late with the script because she's never going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, the, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Um, 
and and then of course you know bang zoom um has as many jobs as it can take on and enough people you know that they can reach out to to work on it um because again the people who adapt for bang zoom and direct for bang zoom we're all freelance there's nobody on staff doing this stuff um the only people who aren't staff are i guess the engineers all the engineers the the schedulers um and uh and a couple of the people yeah and i think all the production people too the people who are leads on shows uh who coordinate uh all the scheduling and the talent and all that kind of stuff so yeah So would you say perhaps that uh, BangZoom prioritizes consistency? Uh, I, I would assume so. There is definitely, um, so every single thing that's recorded there. Uh, so Mami Okada is not only the casting director, she's also the kind of the head of production, I guess is her ultimate title, her ultimate form. <laughs> <laughs> So when, whenever anything is mixed, she watches it and has notes. Um, all of the engineers, um, when, um, uh, before they started recording there, were introduced to the bang zoom way of recording, which I can't tell you about because I'm not an engineer. Um, but it's definitely a it's it's a it's a list of things that Bang Zoom does consistently. I'm sure Funimation is the same way, Sentai the same, NYAV, Studiopolis, you know, uh, VSI, SGI or SDI, um, Dubbing Brothers. I, I'm sure they all have like a, a, a list of a checklist basically, um, and uh, and yeah, so. It helps, it helps things move uh, faster, I guess, at Bang Zoom, because if mommy is uh, watching the mixes, because not all the directors watch the mixes um, and give their notes, uh, not, not all of them, some of us do, uh, but mommy's, you know, she's the last word and she's like, oh, this needs more Walla. Hey, editor, pull some Walla from our Walla library or whatever, or, oh, we need to pick this up because you know, I'm, I, I don't even understand what this character is saying, or if that's a dumb line, <laughs> you know, she'll say something like that. Um, it, it's, uh, and, and it's all done. I, I mean, sometimes the schedule can be like out of control um, for the thing I'm working on now. I don't have much time. I have, I have the bare minimum time I need to turn around two scripts so that I can start recording it with the actors in a couple weeks uh but it's the bare minimum um which i'm not complaining about i'll still get it done it's not a problem um but yeah even even during these times bang zoom has figured out um you know it's going to take x amount of days to record this way so we have to account for that we have to make sure the client is cool with that and uh you know that's what they do. But they also work on a lot of stuff that you don't even hear about, that they don't even publicize. And, you know, uh, whatever those jobs are, I mean, who knows what they are? Maybe they're like, you know, quick crash and burn type of dubs. I have no idea. Um, every studio has their like secret little dark projects that they, that they do on the side that 
you know, nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> so you're talking about the hentai dubs. <laughs> you, know, you know, I, 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 I don't think Bangzoom has done a hentai in forever. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. I think the closest that they came to it was. I, it was something I worked on for them when I was just starting out. It was called Kite Liberator. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, Kite was kind of eh, hentai-y. Uh, the sequel, not so much. Um, uh, but I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they really do that kind of stuff anymore. I don't really think, I, I don't really think that the distributors who have that kind of stuff can afford to do something with quality. And I have a feeling Bangzoom is like, well, if, if we can't, if we can't deliver something that's you know quality, you know we're already busy with all this other shit. So why would we take on something that we know is a crap job that we're only going to make fifty bucks on? You know, it's like it's not worth it. It's not worth burning people out for. I think. I mean, I'm, I can't speak for Bang Zoom because obviously I'm not an employee there. Um, I'm not involved in any of their meetings or you know production meetings or anything like that. I'm literally just like, hey, Alex, uh, we have these shows. Which one do you want to do? Oh, Konosuba. Yeah, that I know that show. I actually like it. I think I could. I, I'd like that. Would be challenging. May I please have that? What's the rate? And then they give me the materials, I go to work, and that's how it works. And we're so, so happy that you got Konosuba. Mm. Yeah, me too. It was super fun. It was super gonna, fun. Gonna, gonna keep hoping that that airs on Toonami someday. I mean, does it have enough action? Sure. Oh, I guess. I mean, come on. Shows like Food Wars air on Toonami now. <laughs> Oh, yes. But isn't that, but isn't the the gag of Food Wars, like, they they make it, like, you know, some kind of, like, it's just cooking, but they turn it into this, like, visually action-looking piece of work or whatever? Isn't that, like, the gag of that? Yeah. Like, mm. it's, it's really intense cooking battles. Intense cooking battles. Yeah. And Sword Art is number 10 on your list, Sketch. <laughs> food Wars was number 9. Oh, motherfucker! <laughs> Wow. Intense cooking battles versus like soul philosophy and fucking future tech and hey, you know, hey, hey. Kito. It is food <laughs> wars. Food wars is all about empowering the human spirit. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I guess so. And I'm a sucker for that stuff because Gurren Lagan is in like top five. Oh, well, I guess so then. <laughs> but uh yeah. Food, food Wars is one. I don't think Konosuba is not actiony enough for Toonami. Cer certainly not. I mean, they've aired some straight-up comedies at this point, so I don't, mm. think, I don't think that's an issue. I mean, the it, issue is that Crunchyroll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crunchyroll's I mean, not going to let it go, and yeah, they're not going to license it for TV either. Meh, maybe, maybe never. It, it is on HBO Max and and Crunchyroll, of course. Yeah, but I guess they're partners or something like that. And I, you know, yeah, was it how, how continuing to get more confusing? How long? I know. Tell me about it. How long was it on Crunchyroll before it went to HBO Max, or was it just it was it the same day? Oh, it, HBO Max didn't exist until the second season of Konosuba was dubbed. 
Ah, uh, got it, got it, got it. And then what happened? Did is the movie on HBO Max too? Not yet. Hmm. Okay. Not so yet. they're so they're the yeah, so they're pumping the brakes on that. So they want exclusivity oh, for a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. and then they'll farm it out. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know they kind of drip feed content to that service, so I'm I'm sure it'll get there eventually, along with the ReZero movie. Mm. Well, I guess it's not a movie so much as a OVA TV special or whatever. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm gonna hold out hope. <laughs> some someday. 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 I mean, they've been picking up some older shows lately. They got Assassination Classroom. Hey, that's another good example. Oh, yeah. Even though it has yeah. assassination in the name, it's not the most actiony show. So true. They got that. True. They, they just got Gridman, which is two years old. So. Yeah, only going after the the newest, coolest things, but that is usually their mo. And with Toonami, is it um, how do they access these shows? I mean, do they have to license all these things, or do they do yeah, they yeah. get it like just for an X amount of time and that's it? Or because I know that like always differ, but they they usually negotiate with companies like Funimation or uh, Sentai. Mm. Occasionally, they're under the same umbrella, Crunchyroll. They, mm, they, right. they, uh, they got at least Mob Psycho from them, and uh, they seem to be involved with getting further episodes of Food Wars because that switched hands from Sentai to Crunchyroll after season two. So uh. little, little extra complications there. But Sentai's still dubbing it. Right. <laughs> and oddly, season four only season four is on hbo max and it's available dubbed which sent i dubbed so hmm. whatever works i guess <laughs> yeah but usually it's like a contract for one airing maybe two they don't like to rerun anime because the the guy who <laughs> Ran Adult Swim up till recently, Mr. Mike Lazo was always of the opinion that anime doesn't rerun well. At least most don't. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a waste of money to buy a contract for more than one airing. Mm. Which on the well, bright side that... means that they can usually rotate shows more quickly. But it's, you know, it always differs. It's always complicated. They got like strange... Things like for Attack on Titan, they seem to have a more flexible contract and they always get the dub premieres of it, even though I'm sure Funimation would love to have those on their service first. Mm. Um, some of those long-lasting deals, like it seemed like maybe they had uh, first right to refusal for future SAO because of getting SAO back in 2013, but um. who knows? But they, but like Jason and his team there, they're, they pretty much just air, they go after whatever they're interested in. Is that correct? And then, and then if they can get it cool of, or a combination of things that they're interested in, things that distributors want them to air. And it, hmm. seem, it seems like some Japanese companies are getting involved in that at this point. Like they picked up a couple of Lupin the Third series, mostly because of TMS over in Japan wanting to get that on TV. Mm. And I think it's a similar case with Gundam with Sunrise, even though there's US distributors for Gundam. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I think in the case of some of those uh, other big properties, they're also dealing with like the Japanese broadcasters, which, and companies like Toei, they definitely want their stuff on TV. So of course they wanted to prioritize putting Dragon Ball Super on television. Uh. So it, it's changed a lot, I feel, in, in recent years because of, mainly because of streaming, because more of these companies are focused on their own stuff. So sometimes Toonami has to go directly to the Japanese owners to get shows that they want. And other Which, times, no matter what they do, no matter how much money they have, it, it's just not going to work. Uh, but most well, of the I mean, time, it's cost prohibitive. <laughs> well, the cool thing is, is that, well, whatever, whatever connections they made in Japan, I mean, they obviously have a reputation because they're, they're producing anime, their own anime, like yeah, the, the Fubikuli and IGPX, and then now the Junji Ito spiral mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty mind. exciting. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, they, the relationship that they started with uh, Production IG way back when with Fooly uh, Cooly and Ghost in the Shell and eventually they produced IGPX. Like, they're, they're still got that relationship. And uh, I believe in the case of Gundam, they were able to kind of, <laughs> because of Bandai shifting out of, uh, U.S. market themselves, they kind of had to go to Japan and talk to Bandai and Sunrise over there in order mm. to get that ball rolling. I I believe that was the story. I, I, oh. might be, I might be getting some of the information wrong, but yeah, business is complicated. <laughs> mm. But for the most part, it seems like they just go out go after what they want to air. And I honestly wish that they looked into more shows but i i couldn't tell you how much time they dedicate towards checking out how many other anime are out there because that's like who who has the time i mean i'm sure they have a list and they know their demographic by now oh yeah. and so it's kind of like they they put those two together and they start crossing off titles from the list because it's like yeah that demographic's not gonna nap 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 you know and and then whatever they're left with, they pursue. And then from there, I guess that's what they that's what they end up airing. I think. I mean, that seems like a, an efficient way of handling it. But then again, it's not my expertise. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It's it's just a complicated business. Yep. All the way around. As as many things are. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just I'm just gonna keep hoping that one of these days they'll be like, you know what? Let's air Konosuba. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at anything is possible, dude. Look, I predicted that Black Lagoon would be on friggin' Tsunami, so you did. Konosuba uh, would happen. You did. Uh, people come up with their own kind of rules for why things aren't going to happen, but. Time and time again, those rules have just been broken. <laughs> right. So, so just because you think it can't happen doesn't mean that it definitely won't. I mean, oh, shit, man. man. <laughs> Madoka. They should throw Madoka on there. Oh, they hell should. Yeah. They should air Madoka. I, well, honestly, first, I don't know why they haven't episodes. aired Madoka at this point. 
It was on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's been on like every streaming service, so it's not an exclusivity thing like uh like the second season of Blue Exorcist was exclusive to Hulu for for however long. Oh, right. We weren't able to go after that one. Right. So I And I and I remember I remember when Kill a Kill aired on Toonami, Kill a Kill wasn't anywhere for like a year or two after that. It was just Yes. Tsunami had it, and they, I think they did a marathon once after their original broadcast, mm. and then that was, and then I think every now and then they would sprinkle it in on their, their website, yeah, on whatever it they did were. Get two two full runs. Oh, it did. Oh, okay, okay. And and a marathon, which was, uh, during its first run, they did that marathon kind of halfway through. Oh. So, uh... But it did get two full runs, which they clearly liked it enough to give it a second run. Not that many shows get that. Right. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a wild show, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never seen anything like it. For sure. I'm still yeah. laughing. I'm still laughing at all the people when, when it first came out. So many people were just fucking dogpiling on it because they were like, oh, the animation sucks and blah, blah, blah. And I was just going, it's part of the joke, guys. Come on. It's like... Uh, the animation doesn't suck. It's stylized. Yeah, it's totally stylized. But it's like when 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 Mako was like flying towards Ryuko and Ryuko like flipped her around and popped her down and Mako looked like a 2D standee. It was like, well, that's the joke. <laughs> It was, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of pop culture references and killer kill at times. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed tons. the JoJo reference, though. Yep. I, I always love the JoJo reference. <laughs> yep. They had JoJo. They had Terminator 2. They had, oh my God, they had so many. It was it was great. It was great. So that was a fun show to work on, I, I have to say. I miss that show. I miss working on that thing. If only there were more. I know. I mean, why? It ends so perfectly. It's just like, boom, there's the end. If you want, there's a, there's an extra little OVA to see what happens to Homaru. But uh, it's, uh, I, I mean, a second season, I, it would have to be, it would have to be like, I, I, every, all the same team has to come together, including the writer. And mm -hmm. what the hell would they do to top that? Because that story is so much fun. Yeah, it takes a, it takes what 14 15 episodes to get to that big twist but when it does it's like it gets wilder and crazier and crazier and then by the end everything's resolved and it's like that's it that's true and the big guy turns out to be a dang old masochist <laughs> Here I, go. I was like okay <laughs> the shades are gray <laughs> It's like, don't worry about him. I can do it myself now. Self-flagellation is a thing, people. Yep. <laughs> Shackle recap. Yep. With his gag in his mouth, his I ball know, gag. Just so, so ridiculously clever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. we took this about as far as we can go. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Oh. But... Uh, what 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 kinds of uh, projects can you tell us about that you you got coming down the pipes? 
Well, nothing I can talk about yet. Um, everything, I mean, the, the, the latest thing that was announced, I think it's been released only for PS4 now, um, is uh, East uh, 9 Monster Knox. Um, mm-hmm. There's still that one thing that I recorded two or three years ago now, three years ago now, Whoa. that is not coming out anytime soon, apparently. It's uh, oh. tied up. It's tied up in studio, whatever politics. I if that was Dragon's Dogma, actually. No, no, it wasn't. Um, that was the last time I talked to you. That was one of the two things that I couldn't talk about. The other is this other thing that I have no idea when it's ever going to come out. Um, it's really cool. <laughs> it's, it's really fucking cool. Um, and it would be great for Toonami. It would, it would, it would actually be really cool for Toonami. Um, not traditional animation style, but um, yeah, what are you going to do? There's the thing I'm working on right now. Yeah, I can't talk about it yet because nobody even knows about it yet. Mm. Um, And that's about it. Um, Wait a second. Was there something else? Good to hear you're keeping busy. Yeah, I mean, I'm again, fortunate. I'm lucky, you know. Um, uh, Sword Art was, you know, half of underworld was recorded we needed to record the other half i <laughs> figured out bangs and figured out how to how to work remotely i could i could continue working on it um uh east nine um came out of the blue that was a blast to work on um uh it's uh yeah i mean it you know again uh, i'm I, I, i'm really lucky really lucky so i certainly don't uh i i uh i i don't uh i don't i don't i don't know what would have happened had all of this just shut down and been shut down up to now so yeah and then to have yeah, no. And then to have shows in flux, like, you know, again, Konosuba, uh, we finished recording Vanier with Robbie Damon. That was, he was the last session. And then the, that night, everything had to shut down. Um, and then we had half, maybe a little under half of the show recorded. Um, we, uh, we didn't have all of Cosmo recorded. We still had like uh, two reels to record with him. Uh, I think the last... The last batch we managed to record before the shutdown with Arnie was when he was charging Sylvia because she interrupted his uh, his night with uh, Megamine. Um, <laughs> so we still had everything after that to record with Arnie. Um, we had uh, half of Megamine stuff. Like I don't think we were even recorded that far with Erica from with Megamine. We had finished Christina as Darkness. We did not finish with Faye. We had, I think we had one more session to go with Faye for Aqua and that was remote. Um, and then a bunch of the incidentals. So a lot of the Crimson Demons we had to record remotely. Um, uh, I think uh, we didn't even finish Sylvia. So we had an extra session with Carrie to finish Sylvia. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was lucky to be involved in shows that still needed to get finished somehow. And, uh, yeah, so 
definitely, definitely lucky. Hmm. Okay. I guess we can. Uh, That's about six that hours worth of content for you, right? All right. Yeah. And, and if you want way, way more conversations about Sword Art Online, you should definitely check out Carrie Lane's YouTube channel where you can get basically a. Uh, talk back of every episode of war of the underworld yeah yeah she was she uh she reached out to me and she was like hey do you think any of the actors would be would be interested in coming on and talking about this and i was like i'll ask and so and so i you know sent emails out to the actors and was just like hey terry lane's gonna be doing this thing do you want to be do you want to come on and talk about your experiences and stuff and Yes, it was, uh, and she managed to continue doing that remotely, which, you know, wow, testament to her. You know, she was just like, yeah, I'm going to see this through. We're going to go to the end. <laughs> well, that's right, because when she started that, it was in a studio, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so she usually does, she has a couple of shows that she um, hosts um, on AfterBuzz TV, and, um, and so I met her, uh, I met her, years ago at I think it was a movie premiere I think it was either Ordinal Scale or uh, uh, Madoka Rebellion um, I, I forget now um, but I met her there and then just you know bumped into her at Anime Expo a couple of times and you know she was you know always very cool um, very very professional um, and yeah she's just cool person um and she's you know really interested in like you know anime and pop culture and all that stuff and so yeah when she reached out to me about this this thing that she wanted to do uh, for after buzz as a segment i was like yeah and uh uh you know it was it was always great showing up on those on those uh, uh showing up to just talk about the show and whatnot i think the actors all had fun and then certainly you know, remotely, um, you know, we, uh, she, she had me on a couple of times, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. Just for the love of it, you know, she's not making any money off of it. Just doing it for the love. So. Yeah. I, I checked out a couple of those streams and I would recommend folks that like behind the scenes conversations with the people playing the characters, the people involved in the production, that they should definitely check those out. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do a little house cleaning for us now. <laughs> you can email this podcast at podcast at tsunamifaithful.com. You can follow us on facebook.com backslash tsunamifaithfulpodcast and on Twitter at tsunamipodcast. You can listen to the podcast on just about everything, including iTunes, Google Music, and Spotify. And you can find every episode of the podcast you stream online at soundcloud.com backslash Toonami Faithful Podcast. You can also get the latest news by following at Toonami News on Twitter and read the news, views, and reviews on ToonamiFaithful.com. And if you like what we do and want to help us out and get some exclusive content like the full interviews that CJ did for his What Toonami Means to Me documentary, you can <laughs> check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Toonami Faithful. You can get the Toonami Faithful Pass and get some of that exclusive content. 
Oh, CJ made a documentary? Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, if you haven't, and and uh, Jennifer Lossie was very involved. So oh, you should definitely well, check it out. I'll warn you, it is an hour and a half. Oh, sweet. Yeah, oh, that's is, awesome. It is full length. He talks to about 16 people, mostly actors, uh, one one engineer, I think just one engineer. And they, you know, they just talk about their experience growing up with Toonami, what it means to them to be on Toonami shows now. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, it's, definitely. it's, it's really good. Awesome. Really good getting the perspective of all these different people. And uh, I think you, you might be introduced to some people because they're probably at least some people that you haven't worked with before. Hmm. Okay. Right on. So this should be good for you. Yeah. Right I highly on. recommend you check that out. Uh, is that, I think that's on our, is it on our YouTube now, Darrell? Yeah. Let me make sure though. I think so because we premiered it on Facebook. Mm. Pretty sure. Speaking of experiences of watching things over zoom, CJ played that whole hour and a half thing for me over zoom when he was kind of finishing the final tweaks and mm -hmm. I was and it occasionally dropped frames it occasionally had video quality issues so it's like I can't even imagine trying to professionally record things <laughs> <laughs> dealing with this it's, yeah uh, that's crazy yeah uh, it is actually on our tsunami Facebook page man okay so it's on our YouTube yeah it's on YouTube that's cool. I'll go check that out then. Thanks for yeah. yeah thanks for letting me know. Get some popcorn. <laughs> we'll do. Or we'll do. Your snack of prefer. Why did I say that that way? <laughs> your snack <laughs> because, of prefer. <laughs> because we've been talking for like three hours now, and you're tired, and you want to go to bed. Uh, I'm not going to go to bed anytime soon. It's only eight here, but oh, yeah. it's ten yeah. here, but I'm not going to bed. Oh man, I'm, I'm still reading. It's, uh, yeah, we have been at this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. As usual, but. Same old story. Can, can you imagine if we had picked this up from the very top of the season? Jeez. No. 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 <laughs> I would have been like, yo, when you get to, when you get to the last episode of Underworld, call me and then I'll come on. <laughs> yeah. So I. I hope that part of the podcast was interesting enough to people. <laughs> I just sent it to you in the DM, Alex. So you can Oh, cool. Thank you. On Twitter. Good stuff. Okay. Good stuff. And speaking of Twitter, where can they find you on Twitter, sir? Uh, just my name in lowercase, Alex Von David. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't really fuck around too much on Twitter. I just kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll go on. Uh, I'll go on for a little bit. Maybe I don't know. Maybe shit post with Erica Mendez for a second or two, or Lucian, or hmm. I don't know. Um, but I mean, it's there. So if you have any questions, you know, feel free to just you know reach out and say, hey, how, how is this or how is that, and I'll try to try and explain it as best as I can uh, <laughs> with the limited amount of. Of, of characters that I have to do it with. Well, I did see you talking to Christina Marie Kelly, one of our previous guests. 
I was yeah. Like, oh, how'd you two meet? Yeah, no, she reached out to me. She was just asking about um, about uh, uh, you know casting opportunities out here. She was just trying to you know you know just get more work. Um, so you know, I I uh, I uh, she sent a link to a demo, and I I uh, sent it to Mommy Okada at Bang Zoom. Um, I met her at Anime Expo a couple years ago. And we got to hang out for a little bit. Um, um, I sent uh, I sent her uh, info out to a couple other studios as well, um, some people I know there, and some other directors who have the opportunity to cast their own projects. Um, and you know, I, I I I haven't been able to work with her yet, but hopefully one of these days, because I mean, you know, I think she does good work. And, uh, and she seems like a nice person. So, oh, she's she's, she's Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get her on something, you know, whatever, whatever I'm working on next. Maybe the thing I'm working on now. Who knows? Ooh. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, all right. Mr. Jarrell, tell them where they can find you. At a local bar. Um, no, I'll see you. <laughs> Always. You can always find me at ukami underscore samurai seven at twitter.com or you can follow me on the fraternities um Twitter, which is Nasia underscore Rojo I did not see at twitter.com. All right, you can find me on Twitter at sketch1984. And you can find my usual co-host Paul Pasquillo at Paul Pasquillo. Nobody um, likes Paul. Yeah. But nobody likes Paul. I feel bad because I really wanted to have Paul on this too, but oh, mm. we'd still be going. <laughs> Paul revels in the fact that I can't be on a lot of things, man. So you know, it's oh. him. I'm loving this. You're yeah. not on this, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell him I said hey when you oh, when you course. talk to him next, and yeah. CJ too, of course, and Daniel. Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, we'll pass that along. So this could be all the sword art we have for a while. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Got that movie coming out at some point. Ho hopefully Anaflex doesn't try to release that in theaters while we're still dealing with a pandemic. I know. They well, seem so. to maybe be doing that with the Demon Slayer movie. And I'm like, don't do oh. that. You've already made so much money. You've made a ridiculous amount of money off of that movie. How did, how did mm. that movie become number one? all time in japan they opened up theaters in the middle of a pandemic well and people yeah, yeah i mean it's it like is. everybody wants to go see a fucking movie here you go <laughs> that's crazy yeah so i mean what you gonna do but i am looking forward to progressive because i hear those novels do a lot to flesh out Einkrad, and i think yeah Einkrad's one of the strongest parts of sao yeah, I hope uh, I hope I get a chance to work on that one too. I mean, who knows? So, because that's like way later this year when that comes out, right? I don't remember exactly when it comes out this year. Oh, and who knows? It could even get delayed. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to that, and when eventually we get some kind of adaptation of Unital Ring, I might have to start reading the novels at this point and mocking them 
But I have started reading the Konosuba manga and found where it picks off right after the movie. So, oh, yeah. There's some fun stuff that happens after that movie. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been, I got the light novels and I was reading those um, while I was adapting. Um, and, uh, but I haven't picked up the ones, uh, the novels after uh, Legend of Crimson story arc. So mm. don't spoil it for me. I, I won't, but because if they do a season three, I want to be surprised. <laughs> oh, there you go. There, there are much shenanigans, much, much shenanigans, and also some wholesomeness. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you know it ain't necessarily wholesome. <laughs> Dude, serious consumers kind of like some stuff that came out of my head, man. <laughs> some of the things I do and say. Trust me, Alex, on the days of what I call the um, the longest days on the podcast, oh, <laughs> God, man. Let's just say it was some pretty interesting stuff that came out of my mouth. Yep. <laughs> the land of the lawless. Land I got to go back lawless. in the archives and listen to those then. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Dude, the 99L bomb is what killed it all, man. <laughs> you got you to listen all to right. it some really early episodes before I was hosting. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. This should be fun. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you again, Alex, for joining us for another three-hour tour. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for having me. It was fun, as usual. As usual. And we will always look for more opportunities to drag you back on here to have a chat because it's always so much fun. Hell, I'm around, so. <laughs> well, until next time, lovely listeners. <laughs> Everybody's lovely. <laughs> You're all lovely, I declare it such. Thank you for listening to this podcast and uh, all the other podcasts that we've been putting out. I hope you have enjoyed your time listening and until next time, we're punching out. Deuces! <laughs> See ya!